0: Thank you for all being here tonight. It's great to be with everyone to worship our God and Father and our Savior. We're so thankful for the opportunity to be together. Before we get started, um, for those of you that I have an email for, which is most of you, you should have received an email from me today where I sent out to our mailing list uh, an announcement of the meeting. Uh, that, that's the contacts that we've made through the community Bible study efforts, through the billboard, uh, through our website, and um, so that's about 140 people, and I got one response of someone thanking me for the information, so hopefully that will be fruitful. hope we'll all take a minute to, to invite uh, our friends and our neighbors that we come, come in contact with to the meeting. It should be a good, a good effort. So there's a lot of confusion in the religious world about really fundamental things fundamental principles that people are confused about, that false teachers have led people astray about, lots of different topics. There's probably nothing more fundamental to our faith than the principles about who God is. And there's a lot of confusion about God in the religious world today. A lot of confusion about His Son, Jesus Christ. We've talked about the confusion about Him recently. Tonight I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Perhaps there is more confusion about the Holy Spirit in the religious world today than there is about Jesus Christ. And tonight I want to look at with you about who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is very much misunderstood today. Perhaps some of the most common uh, people or the most common uh, errors we're going to find are when we talk with those who are of the Jehovah's Witness persuasion. This is from the Jehovah's Witnesses website, and you'll notice what their page is titled, What is the Holy Spirit? That's a different title than what we've entitled our lesson tonight because they believe the Holy Spirit is a force or an active force. Here's what this page says. The Holy Spirit is God's power in action, His Act Active force. God sends out His Spirit by projecting His energy to any place to accomplish His will. The Holy Spirit is just a force that God sort of projects and sends out wherever He wants. They reference a couple passages, and I'm not going to have any verses on the screen tonight, so I hope you have your Bibles ready. They reference Micah chapter 3, verse 8. If you look at Micah chapter 3, verse 8, they say this is proof that the holy spirit is just an active force it's just god's force. In Micah chapter 3 verse 8 here's what we read there but truly i am full of power by the spirit of the lord and of justice and might to declare jacob to jacob his transgression and to israel his sin. In this passage Micah says i am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. The Jehovah's Witnesses say that the Spirit is power, but no, that's not what this passage says. This passage says He's full of power by the Spirit. They also reference Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 35, as the angel is talking to Mary here about her conception, seeing that she doesn't know a man. And the, holy, and the angel is going to explain how this is going to happen in Luke 1, verse 35 of Luke 1, verse 35. And the angel uh, answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Well, they say there again, see, we see the Holy Spirit. We see that she's going to be uh, the, the power of God is going to come on her or overshadow her, so the two must be the same. That's not what that passage is teaching. This website answering what is the Holy Spirit in their understanding, says the Bible gives the names of Jehovah God and His Son Jesus Christ, yet nowhere does it name the Holy Spirit. When the Christian martyr Stephen was given a miraculous heavenly vision, he saw only two persons, not three. The Bible says he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and caught sight of God's glory and of Jesus standing at God's right hand. The Holy Spirit was God's power in action, enabling Peter uh, Stephen to see the vision. So the Jehovah's Witnesses and they're not alone. Joseph, I think the men that we talked to a couple weeks ago believe this that the, the Spirit is just God's force, and it's not, it's not anything other than an it. But the Scriptures are clear: the Holy Spirit is a being. The Holy Spirit is a being. It is not an active force. It is not just a force. It is a being. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. Look at your Bibles at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Look at verse six, uh, verse 16 and 17. John 14 verses 16 and 17. Notice how Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit. Not as it's being just something, but it's actual an actual being. John 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as a He. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Paul makes reference to the Holy Spirit. Here and refers to it as a he or a him. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps with our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. That helps us understand the Holy Spirit's not an active force. Furthermore, as we look at the Holy Spirit, we see a lot of characteristics about the Holy Spirit that show that the Holy Spirit is a a being. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Romans chapter 8, if you're still there, look at verse 27. Romans chapter 8, verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. He has knowledge. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. For what uh, what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. This is not an act of force. The spirit knows the things of God. The spirit has knowledge. The spirit also has will. And there in 1 Corinthians, look at chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. For no one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. Uh, For to one the word is of wisdom is given through the spirit; to another the word of knowledge, through the same spirit; to another uh, faith by the same spirit; to another gifts of healings by the same spirit; to another the workings of miracles; uh, to another prophecy; to another discerning of spirits; to another different kinds of tongues; to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. This was in the first century when there were miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. This passage tells us that the Holy Spirit was deciding who got what gift. Notice there in verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit was deciding who got what gift. The Holy Spirit can be grieved, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, showing us not just an act of force. The Holy Spirit is not just an act of force. He can be grieved in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. That's going to show us a little something else about the Holy Spirit as we go along here. But the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. anyone who speaks a word against the Spirit, Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, neither in this age or in the age to come. Jesus said the Holy Spirit could be blasphemed. And the Holy Spirit can be insulted. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. Hebrews 10, verse 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy, who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. The Spirit can be insulted. It can be insulted. And finally, the Spirit can be lied to. We're going to look at this passage in more detail in just a minute. But in Acts chapter 5, in Acts chapter 5, Peter says to Ananias, in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back the part of the price of the land for yourself? The Holy Spirit can be lied to. The Jehovah's Witnesses say that this Holy Spirit is just a force. It's an it. It's God's active force. But that's not what the Scriptures teach. The, teachers, the scriptures teach that it, it, this Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. That the Holy Spirit can, has all of these characteristics. Okay, So we also see that the Holy Spirit is a being because the Holy Spirit is active. The Holy Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit is not just a force, but the Spirit is a being because the Holy Spirit is active. The Holy Spirit speaks. We see this many places in the New Testament. He, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Holy Spirit is speaking. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. The Spirit says. The Spirit speaks. In Acts chapter 8 in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, as the Ethiopian eunuch is about to hear the gospel, notice what is told to Peter. In Acts chapter 8, verse 29, then the Spirit said to Peter, go near and overtake this chariot. In Acts chapter 10, uh, as Peter is uh, being told to go to the Gentiles, in Acts chapter 10, look at verse 19. When Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, go down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And then in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1, notice again the Holy Spirit speaking. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there was a certain... By a pro- there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and, and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down from, to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. The Holy Spirit is giving instruction. This Holy Spirit is giving instructions on what they, He wanted Saul and Barnabas to do. So the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit teaches. Jesus, as He's promising the Holy Spirit what the Holy Spirit would do, this is not just some active force, it's not just some kind of wind or power. The Holy Spirit is teaching. In uh, John 14, verse 26, Jesus said, in John 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit was going to teach. Not just an act of force. The Holy Spirit was going to teach. The Holy Spirit also bears witness. There in John, turn over one chapter to fifth, chapter 15, verse 26. John 15, verse 26. The Holy Spirit is bearing witness. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit is going to bear witness or testify. The Holy Spirit also forbids. Notice here as we see, um, the Holy Spirit does not permit... Uh, the traveling group to go to where they were going to go in Acts 16, verse 6. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. The Spirit permits or forbids. The Holy Spirit intercedes in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps with our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit intercedes. And this is the same action that Christ does, by the way. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. So if Christ is a being interceding, the Holy Spirit must be a being interceding. The Holy Spirit is a being. These show that the Holy Spirit is not just a force, but the Spirit is active. The Spirit is a being. But we can take this one step further. Not only is the Spirit not an it, it is a he. Not only is it not an active force, it is a be- he is a being. We also see that the Holy Spirit is God. The Scriptures are clear about this. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit possesses divine characteristics. The Holy Spirit possesses divine characteristics. The Holy Spirit, for instance, is omniscient. Omniscient, that's a, that's a pretty difficult word, but I imagine there's some kids here who know what omniscient means. Omniscient means He knows all things. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that the Holy Spirit knows all things. For God has revealed uh, them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit is omnipresent Another big word, but kids, I think, probably know that. Omnipresent means everywhere. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. Look at Psalm 139, beginning of verse 7. Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go? From your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. The psalmist says that he couldn't go anywhere and not be there where the Spirit is. And the Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal, showing that He is divine, that He is God. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The Holy Spirit is eternal there. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. And so the Holy Spirit possesses divine characteristics. This means that the Holy Spirit is God. But we have even more evidence of the fact that the Holy Spirit is God. I see kids writing feverishly. I'm sorry that we're going fast here tonight. The Holy Spirit is told to us that He is God in Acts chapter 5 that we looked at earlier. Look in your Bibles with me at Acts chapter 5. This is very important. Acts chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. In the story of Ananias and Sapphira, notice how Peter uses the term Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost as in, in, in the same uh, sentence or the same thought as God. He uses those ideas interchangeably. In, Hebrews, in Acts chapter 5, verse 1. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord. Look, those, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Kids, you don't want to lie. But you definitely don't want to lie to God. And Peter said that he had lied to God, and he says that Ananias and Sapphira both had tested the Spirit or lied to the Spirit. He uses those terms interchangeably. The Holy Spirit is God. Ananias, when he lied to the Holy Spirit, he was lying to God. The Holy Spirit is God. We see that very clearly. Well, some might object, though. When we say that the Holy Spirit is a being and not only a being, that the Holy Spirit is divine, that the Holy Spirit is God, some might object and say, well, I thought there was just one God. You're telling me that there are three gods? How does that work? How could there be more than one God? I want to tell you, this doesn't contradict the idea that there's one God. The Bible is very clear on this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. In your Old Testaments, we read this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Lord is one. Jesus says the same thing in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 12, verse 29. In Mark chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is... Uh, sorry, Jesus answered and said, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, how can that be? How can it be that there's one God, and yet we're saying the Holy Spirit is God? And we have said in previous lessons that Jesus is God. And obviously the Father is God. How can there be three and yet there's just one? Well, there are many explanations that people give for this. doesn't mean they are scriptural uh, explanations, but they give many explanations. You may have talked with Oneness Pentecostals in the past. Oneness Pentecostals say there is one God and he has three different manifestations. In the Old Testament, he's manifested as the Father. In the first century, he was manifested as Christ, the Son. And in the Christian age, he's represented as the Holy Spirit. He just changes how you see him, but he's just one God. That's how they explain it. But that simply cannot be the case. That fails the test. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 3. Get Matthew chapter 3. In the baptism of Jesus. Is, the, is there just one being in the Godhead manifesting himself in different ways? Not in Matthew chapter 3, because all three are present at the same time. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came, not from the dove that was now on him. No, where does the voice come from? The voice comes from heaven, the heaven. And this is the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. All three of them are present at Jesus' baptism. There are three beings. And if we've shown that the Spirit is God and that Jesus is God and the Father is God, how does that work? Look also in Matthew chapter 28, in the passage that Joseph read for us. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're to baptize people by the authority of all three, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So how does that work? It's often described like this. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all possess characteristics of deity. They're all deity. They're all God. But they're different beings. We could say it like this We're all mankind, aren't we? Joseph is mankind. Jasmine is mankind. Lisa is mankind. David is mankind. We're all men, aren't we? We're all human. But we're separate and distinct beings. We all have the same characteristics, but we're separate and distinct beings. I believe the same is true for God. They are all God. They're all deity. They're separate beings, but they're all united. They're all deity. You may have seen this graphic. That helps to visualize that a little bit. It shows the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They all are God, as we've looked at passages tonight that show the Holy Spirit is God. We looked at passages in our lesson a few weeks ago that show that Jesus is God. John chapter 1, verse 1, is a very powerful passage that shows it. It's not the only place, though. But it shows that God is, that Jesus is God. We also have many passages that show the Father is God. They're all God. But they're separate beings. The Holy Spirit, for example, is not the Father. Look at John chapter 14, verse 26. Look at John 14, verse 26. In John 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is going to be sent by who? By the Father. That shows us the Holy Spirit and the Father are different, aren't they? They're not the same. The Father was going to send the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not the Father. We also see from John chapter 8, verse 16 that the Father is not the Son. Look at John chapter 8, verse 16. For those who would say, well, the Father is just the manifestation of God in the Old Testament and Jesus is manifested in the first century. That's not true. Look at John chapter 8, verse 16. John chapter 8, verse 16. And yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone. But I am with the Father who sent me. Jesus is not the same as the Father. They're separate. And the Holy Spirit is not the Son. Look at Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all, who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. God anointed the Son with the Holy Spirit. They're not the same. They're different. They all possess characteristics of deity. They're all God. And they're all perfectly unified. But they're separate beings in the Godhead. That's supported by Scripture. And maybe that graphic helps. Well, there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. But the Scriptures are clear. That the Holy Spirit exists. And they're clear that the Holy Spirit is not just an active force. That the Holy Spirit is a being. That the Holy Spirit is active. And that the Holy Spirit is, in fact, God. It's important that we understand that. And you may think, in a trivial matter, why would we be so interested in, and concerned about that? I'll tell you, it's very important. As it is all of what the Scriptures teach... Because when we accept one bit of false doctrine, we'll tell you it opens the door for more false doctrine. And there are other things that are attached to this false doctrine. We need to understand what the Scriptures teach about the deity of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is God. I hope that's helpful to you. We've been talking about that a lot in our Sunday morning Bible class. And talking about the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand who He is. So I thought that would be helpful. What about you tonight? You know, Jesus, before He left this earth, said He would send the Comforter. He would send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit has revealed to us the things that we need to know to be pleasing to God. The question is for each of us, have we submitted to what the Holy Spirit says? You know, it's so important that we understand this. Because it is what will save us. It's what Jesus sent the Comforter to reveal to us. Have we submitted to it in every aspect of our life? If we haven't, if we haven't become a Christian, being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, tonight is a great time for that to happen. Or if if you've submitted in baptism but not lived like you should and you need to correct that, we can help you with that. Will you let us know while we stand and sing?